0: Of the Lord with me, sing His praise. Sing of your identity in Christ, won't.
1: Strong, now shaken We trust forever in your name The name of Jesus That's right We trust the name of Jesus You are the only king forever Almighty God, we lift you higher You are the only king forever In all your wisdom, in love
0: and justice, you will
1: reign, and every knee will bow. We bring our expectations, our hope is anchored in your name, in the name of Jesus. Oh, will we trust the name of Jesus? we lift the name of jesus from age to age you reign your kingdom won't you take it away
0: you're good. We love you. We we gather in this place, as it says in the Psalms, and we gather and we remind ourselves why we're singing to you. Whether we've come in here with a hard time, whether we've come in here just coming through something, we're reminded by our singing that, that you're the one that we, that we identify with. And Father, we continue singing and know that you've rescued us and that you love us and that no matter our our failures, you love us no matter the things that we struggle with that only you know. Father, you're the one who heals us. You're the one who sees our brokenness and has redeemed us anyway. So, Father, we love you, and we simply praise you in this place, and we sing because of it, every said.
2: God, we we just come, we just come before you, and just sit with humble hearts, just knowing, God, that that we give our lives to you, knowing that we're found in Jesus. And so, Lord, we, Jesus, we just make you the priority. We we just get everything that we're thinking on the table, what we experienced this morning, what the ride in look like, look like, or what our week look like, whatever our jobs, our relationships, families, kids, God, what our bank account looks like, or whether we're still bitter that the Steelers aren't in the Super Bowl, God, whatever it is that we're struggling with this morning, I pray we just get everything on the table and to know that ditching all of that and pursuing you, Jesus, is, is the best decision we could possibly make because truly only when we know you, Jesus, do we have life, do we have purpose, do we have something actually consistent in our lives. And so, God, we, we just lay everything out for you and are so thankful that you love us, that you call us your own, you've chosen us and and through Jesus Christ we have life and purpose And, and God even when we leave this earth we will spend eternity with you what a what an incredible thing to wrestle with in our head and be so excited about Jesus we love you and in your awesome holy name we all pray amen hey guys good morning make sure you say hello to those around you and share your Super Bowl prediction You guys, excited to be alive this morning. We got warm weather. Can we get excited about warm weather, people? <laughs> uh, guys, we are, are thankful for you, and we pray for you, and. It really is a privilege to do life with you. And so one of the things I want to highlight, if you pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we appreciate that. And if you're new with us, I just want to say we're glad you're checking things out. You're calling this place your home this morning. If you reach in front of you, there's a little red card. You can fill that out, or you don't have to. But if you even go check out the Welcome Center, there is a group of awesome people that want to give you something for free, just want to hear your story, they want to connect with you. And so those people are there. If you have any questions, as well as when you leave, There are, they are, there are donut walls, which some people are like, what in the world? And I said, look, there's little pegs with donuts. Just there's donuts. (laughs) Just wrestle with the donuts later. They're going to be in the lobby. And as you leave, make sure you don't forget to grab one and just a way to have fun and just know that church can be a place where we can have fun and laugh and do life together. So one thing too is, um, as we pass the friendship folders down the aisle, I want to just say that we're in this series called Nehemiah. It's never too late for a new beginning, and so we're excited about what God's been doing in this series, so if you're new, that's the series we're in. It's called Nehemiah. We're in the book of Nehemiah, and uh, Pastor Ken is going to be sharing this morning, but uh, we have a special announcement to talk about our, what's happened in the student ministry, so can we welcome
3: Eric Raspberry, our student pastor? I just got symboled. That was amazing. Um, there's a feel. at some point, you got to come up here and have him do that for you guys. Um, so yeah, like you said, uh, I'm Eric. I get to be the pastor of Student Ministries here. And we do have a lot of exciting things happening. Uh, even this, uh, this past Friday night, we had uh, a meeting with all of the leaders in the student ministry. And uh, the things that are coming up are, are incredible. Uh, we do have a great group of leaders. And if you ever are interested in finding out if, if there's a way for you to get plugged in uh, to be a part of the Student Ministries team, let me tell you, there is. Uh, and I would love to talk to you about it. But um, we also want to make sure that if you are a parent of a fifth through twelfth grader, that you are able to stay connected, that you're able to know what's going on, get news, updates, announcements. And so what we've done on the church website, if you go to the student ministry page, um, you'll see all of our three groups listed. So Route 56 is our fifth and sixth graders. The ramp is seventh and eighth and elevate is nine through twelfth. Um, if when you when you go to that page, you'll see an option where it says "Sign up for updates." So if you click on that, you'll put in uh, just your name, number, and email, and you will go on the distribution list so that we can make sure that you are aware of everything going on. Uh, You'll have access to uh, the different calendars and news. And then, of course, if something happens because of weather, it's a quick way uh, for you to get updated on that. So uh, I would encourage you today, um, spread the word, do it yourself. It'll only take you a minute or two, and it's going to be a great way for us to stay connected uh, to you. So um, that is one thing. And one reason why it would be good because we've got several great events coming up. We've got uh, Winter Jam Weekend for our uh, Route 56 and the Ramp. Uh, We've got March Madness coming up in March, March 22nd through 23rd, which is gonna be an amazing event. We'll have more information coming. But what I'm really excited about is coming up this summer is we are going to Student Life Mission Camp. Uh, And so it's going to be truly an amazing event Uh, experience at what 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 is a mission camp you might ask so it's it's basically uh, students that are going to be going it's for incoming seventh graders all the way to seniors who just graduate are going to be welcome to go Um, and when they go to this camp uh, they're going to have all of the 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 great fun things about camp so they're going to have the large group experience they're going to have speakers and worship and it's going to be so much fun but every day while we're there Um, we are going to be taking our students and we are going to be serving, going out into the community, uh, into the, into the schools and different things. And we're actually going to be working. We're going to be um, just serving Jesus in that way. So it's going to be an amazing experience. I've taken uh, groups to this camp before uh, and it truly can be life changing. So next Sunday, right after second service, um, if you, are interested in going, as a parent, if you think, yeah, I wanna learn more about that for my kid, um, right after second service next Sunday, right in here, we're gonna have an interest meeting where we're gonna go over all the details, uh, the cost, the timeline, the information, and any questions you might have, bring them, uh, and I'll make sure they get answered because I don't want any, any student, uh, incoming, incoming seventh grader to outgoing senior to miss this. It, it really is gonna be something special. Uh, I want to go ahead and call the ushers forward. We're going to get ready to receive our our tithes and offerings. Um, And um, I've just been so um, humbled recently. You know, my, my wife and I, we are in the process of looking for a house Um, And as we kind of look at our situation, we just have to remember that God is bigger than our budget. God is bigger than our limitations that we put on ourselves, And we have to remember that he has got good things in mind for us, that he is in control. And that when we trust him with what we have, he is able to do infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And so as we begin to give um, what, what is already his, let's give with glad hearts. Let's give with attitudes, knowing that he is going to use it um, and when we give expectantly, uh, it changes the way that we do it. So let's pray and give, and then we'll continue on toward Nehemiah. God, thank you for today. We pray, God, that you would speak to us, that you would move in our lives as we uh, as we give back to you what is already yours, but that you so graciously give us. Lord, please allow us to give generously, knowing that you're going to use it to grow your kingdom. We pray that you would use this church to be a beacon of light and hope in this this area, in this state and beyond. Lord, thank you for your uh, endless and unconditional love for us. Thank you that it is never too late for a new beginning. We praise you in advance for what you're gonna do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Well, there is indeed a big football game today. It's not as big as it should be because there's a certain team not there tonight, right? Steelers aren't in it tonight, but uh, many of you will be watching it. I know half of you already ordered your wings. It's going to be a great time. You're going to enjoy the football game, and uh, and we all know who to vote for, who we're praying to get through it tonight, and they're not <clears throat> from New England. <clears throat> okay, so anyhow. So uh, we're, we're just uh, being good Pittsburghers there. But you know what? There's a good... P- term from football that applies to this passage this morning. It's called Yards After Contact. John Madden made it famous, Yards After Contact. And uh, what the whole thing about Yards After Contact was is a running back gets the ball, he's going down the field, he may get, take a hit, uh, he may, somebody may try to tackle him, how many yards does he get after contact? That is the difference between winners and losers, right there. When you have somebody that is going to go forward, you're going to take a hit, but you are going to now keep going. Um, we had a really good running back that chose not to play this year, okay? And, uh, and if you looked at his stats, man, he had some incredible stats on yards after contact, And so as we look at our life, as we look into Nehemiah this morning, we want to look at yards after contact because a good running back doesn't come in, doesn't get the yard after contact, he doesn't get the ball, take a hit and just throw down a ball and say, man, I don't want to play anymore. He doesn't just, uh, as soon as somebody hits him, he he wants to get another three yards after he's been hit. He wants to keep going, and he stretches out, and he takes that ball out to the very farthest that he can to get it out, because it's yards after contact that make the difference. And so in your life, you are going to take a hit, and it's going to be the yards after contact that's going to make the difference in your life. Nehemiah, you know, and, and as far as yards after contact, you know, one of the saddest things is whenever you see a, a, a football player that uh, that just would give up, you don't often see that. But if you see a football player that would just give up or yet, have you ever seen a football player that just starts running in the opposite direction? Okay, it just starts going the other way. That ha- I have seen that once or twice where a guy gets disoriented and he scores for the other team, right? And when when you're going that way, there's no, you know, there's no resistance. And so you you may be coming, you're building, you're doing something good in your life, and all of a sudden you have a point of contact. It got hard. You got tackled. Uh, you know, you you're going to see how many more yards you can get. You're not going to avoid contact. Uh, you know, a good football player doesn't say, oh, man, these guys are big. I'm running the opposite way. That doesn't win the game. And so the same is true in our life. The same is true for Nehemiah. Some people like to quit after contact. Some people prefer no contact. I don't like conflict. Nobody likes conflict. But listen, whenever you have that, those oppositions, whenever you have the hard times, that's when God is molding us, and that's when God's making us a stronger person. So I want you to open with me, if you would, to Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to pick up. Last week, we looked at opposition from the outside, and this is how he mocked. He was mocked by his enemies. Today, we're going to look at how that affects the inside, affects the team. When, but when Samballot and Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in all the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us in confusion. Now, I want you to catch there because this is a big deal. This is the enemy's plan is to get you confused. He wants to get the church confused. He wants wants to get us confused and, and to cause dissension among the ranks. That is his greatest tactic is to come in and just create confusion and to get you disheveled, get you thinking that, that it's not worth building anymore, get you thinking that, okay, well, we might as well just not build. We'll just get sidetracked. We're going to look at that today. But I want you to be aware of this, that every beginning will face the hurdle of half time. Every new beginning will face the hurdle of halfway. And so as you uh filling in the blank, that's your first fill in the blank there this morning, the wall was, uh, at verse 6, it said that the wall was already built halfway. They had made it all the way around the city. The wall was halfway up. It was halfway done. And this is when things get hard. This is whenever things begin to be challenging. Oh, you've had a great success. Things, uh, things started out well, but now it's challenging. It's hard. And look what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah in verse 4-9, he says, but we prayed to our God and we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. We prayed to our God. The very first thing he does, he comes and he prays to God. And then he has action and he guards the city day and night to protect ourselves. What is the main point here? He comes and he prays. You know, most of us want to go into the guarding. Most of us want to go into the action mode. We want to go do that. But... uh, The first thing he does is pray. Never underestimate the power of prayer. And as a matter of fact, I would say to you this morning, if you are trying to build, if you're trying to do something good and you're doing it without prayer, stop. It's not worth building. If it's not worth having the power of God on, then stop. You've got you're trying to do something for God. You cannot do something for God without the power of God. And so we cannot, God will not do anything through you until He does something in you. And so God wants us to first come and pray. Now He doesn't want you to stop working. He wants you to first come and pray. So here's what he did. How did he respond? The threats are out there. The threats are ominous. How does he respond? He responds by coming in to prayer first. Um, Pressures on the outside often create problems on the inside. Pressure's on the outside. So whenever you're you're building, you have a team, things are going good, and there's something on the outside, You're, you're trying to do something good in your life, and you hear the opposition. You hear that there is some sort of problem. What is the first thing that happens? The team gets discouraged. The team goes down because that pressure from the outside often will create a problem on the inside. Look at the problem I created for Nehemiah. Verse 10, then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Uh, this, this is a powerful passage here because it shows us the steps of discouragement. And as you think about becoming a discouraged person, you, there's, a, there's a real good formula here for discouragement. He says, first of all, he says, the workers are getting tired. This was the tribe of Judah. There were 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Judah was the strongest. Over in Genesis, it tells us that out of the tribe of Judah would be the king would come. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, that Jesus would come. Over in Revelation 5.5, 5, we see the, 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 the lion of Judah would be Jesus. And this is who he would come through. These were the people that Jesus would come through. They're getting tired. Hmm. Uh, I think it's okay that we get tired. Uh, he, he says here that uh, they face fatigue and so words. The workers are getting tired. You know it 's easy for us to get tired when we 're working and doing a good thing. And so as we are working and we 're doing a good thing, we 're moving forward, um, as we do that, understand that you will become tired. You will face tiredness. You will come to the point where, that you will face fatigue. And as you face that fatigue, know that it's okay to take rest. You see, God has, a, has designed this thing that we need to have rest. He has designed something into us that we need to have rest. Uh, it's called the Sabbath Principle. And if you understand the Sabbath principle, what the Sabbath principle was, was that, the, that God created and he worked on for six days, and on the seventh day, God himself rested. And as he comes and he works for six days, he rests on the seventh. That's the design for us. That's the blueprint for you and I. And yet, we'll go out and we'll work, we'll work, we'll work, we'll work, and never take a break. And what happens? You become tired. And when you become tired, that that fatigue begins to set in and it leads to frustration. But I want you to catch the principle here of rest because rest is so important. If we don't take our rest, we are going to become extremely tired. I've made a vow that I will never make a decision when I'm tired. You know how easy it is to make a decision when you're tired? You can make a decision that could change your life, could change the life of people around you when you are tired, when you are worn out. You know what you do when you're tired and worn out? You go to sleep. You need to get caught up. You need to let this body rest. It's the Sabbath principle. And you say, but wait a minute. I'm just so needed. I have found out that things go on pretty good without me. Sometimes they go on better without me, right? Do you know why? Because I need to rest. And it's not about me. And as you're building and you're going along, guess what? You need to rest. We need to have these moments of rest. God made it that way. He said that you would do better on less. Wait a minute. That's not how I would design it. You would do better on less. So, God, I have all this time and I want to work. You see, I have this problem. I like to work all the time. My my mind goes to work. You may not be at work, but your work goes to you. Do you ever have that problem? okay? I think most men deal with this because we're thinking about it. We're, we're conquering new ground, right? And it's real easy because I can check now. I can check my voicemail or no, emails. I can check all kinds of mails, right? I can check everything. At, 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 it's always at my phone. It's always with me. And so I never seem to get away from it. But whenever I take a rest, man, I, I get refreshed and I, I can get back in the game. I can now go forward. I can keep building as God has called me to build, So the first part that we see there is is fatigue. The next part is frustration. And there's so much rubble to be moved. At the beginning, as Nehemiah comes in, he goes in, he rides on a donkey. You'll read that in the first, I believe it's the second or third chapter, second chapter that we looked at. You'll see he rides on a donkey and he finds all the rubble. When he recruits his team, they knew there was rubble. They knew that it was nasty. (laughs) They knew there was a lot to be removed. But as they are building, as they are working now, they are tired. Now they're frustrated. So they go from fatigue to frustration. This is so nasty. All we have to do, uh, all we have to do, is remove trash. This, this is not what I signed up to do, and uh, that that can become a problem. See, what happens is they become focused on the problem and not the building, and it's very easy for us in life whether you're rebuilding your vocation, your marriage, church, uh, anything that you're, that you are rebuilding, okay? As you come and you rebuild, when you go and you're laying the blocks down and you get discouraged, it's easy to become focused on the problem. I'll give you a good example. You're trying to work on a relationship. It could be a friendship. It could be your marriage. And, uh, and you guys have been, you know, you're, you're working, things are going good. Then all of a sudden, you have a setback. Many times, we will get hung up on the setback. We will get stuck in the muck and the mire of what that rubble is instead of building. So the way that we make progress is to come back and to continue to build, continue to build what God has called us to do. Uh, and then the last thing they did was failure was imminent. They said, man, you know, when you're tired... When you're frustrated, the next thing is failure. And so they're saying, hey, listen, we cannot do this. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. We're just not able. They were tempted to give up, but I want you to remember this morning, yards after contact, Nehemiah has hit it. Nehemiah has hit frustration, and he has legitimate threats. The threats on the outside are real. And it's creating pressure. And the discouragement is real. So he, I could just see Nehemiah saying, oh, what did I sign up for? I would just rather go back and be cupbearer to the king. Let me drink the king's food, uh, eat the king's food and drink his drink, right? Let me just enjoy this. That, it was so good. I could have just finished and had my retirement over there. But God called me to build this wall and as i'm building this wall there's rubbish that has to be removed as i'm building this wall i have a team that is going down on me jesus was not immune to, to opposition jesus was not immune to, to discouragement would you think about how discouraging that must have been for jesus he has a public ministry and he chooses 12 guys and these are going to be his followers and these 12 men are his followers and as he as he rallies them together, he spends three and a half years with them in a public ministry, and he goes through this public ministry. And one of this twelve betrays him. He goes out to pray, preparing for the cross. He knows that the cross is imminent. And as he goes out to pray, he has Peter, James, and John out of the twelve. These are his three closest. Peter, James, and John, I want you to pray over here. I'm going to go over by this rock and pray. I want you to pray he comes back in their sleep. That's pretty cool, you know? Do you have any friends like that? I think we all do, right? If Jesus could pick... Now, think about it. This was the master of the universe. He picks 12 guys, and out of these 12 guys, there's three that are the closest. And out of those three, they're all sleeping on him. Man, this was hard. Could you imagine if Jesus just threw in the towel? Could you imagine if Jesus said... I don't need to go to the cross. I picked 12 guys. One betrays me. The other, you know, the other ones are sleeping all the time. They're, they're, you know, Peter's going to deny me. Could, could you just imagine the discouragement that he faced as he went to the cross? If you're rebuilding something good and you are not met with resistance, okay? You're not, remet, you're not met. It's not hard. Then it mustn't be something good. It's most likely because you're going the same way that the opposition is going. And so when you're, when you're going upstream, I want you to think about this. It's like fish going upstream. As we swim upstream, the, the tide is going against us. Man, all the other fish are going that way. And so you're going to bump into all kinds of problems as you're trying to rebuild. You're trying to rebuild a marriage. Listen, rebuilding a marriage is hard. Rebuilding a, a life is hard. You ha- you're overcoming addictions. Man, I meet with people all the time that tell me about their addictions. And as you, as you overcome addictions, see, you go one step at a time at a time, and then all of a sudden you have, you have a disaster happen. It's called a setback. All of a sudden, one of your friends says, hey, come the opposite way. And, and your friends wonder, why are you trying to get clean? Why are you trying to move forward? Um, you, you know, in your own marriage, sometimes you say, what's the use? Why am I going? Why am I trying to do better? This is so hard. And that's because anything of value, anything of value is going to have resistance. It's going to be hard. That's what Nehemiah was facing. Uh, what kind of what kind, of yards after contact, what kind of yards after contact are you willing to make? Uh, it's discouraging. It, the, the, these people were discouraged, and discourage often hits at the halfway point. Um, I've watched through the years, many Christians, okay, they start well, and then when they get to halfway, they quit. Somebody offended me, somebody said this, I disagreed with that. And I see casualties all over the church. This, not just our church, the church at large. I see it everywhere. Why? Because times were hard and they made it to halfway and they got discouraged and they gave up and quit. And you realize it's just at that moment that God's about to bless. It really is. The darkest part of the night is just before dawn. God is just about to bless and they get up, and they walk away, and they say, well, it's too hard. It's not the way I planned it to be. Um, it's called the honeymoon is over. You've heard that statement, haven't you? I, I don't know what that means, because I'm still on mine 25 years, but for everybody else, you would know what that means. The honeymoon is over, right? Why, why does the honeymoon have to be over? The honeymoon was so good, wasn't it? It was like, wow, we stared at each other for days. Or hours, I don't know, but we stared at each other, didn't we? And it was, it was bliss. It was just wonderful. And that's the way it is in a new job. You get a new job, man, the first six months are always good. It's the next six years that are hard. You know, nobody understands that. You know, I've told people there is no green grass. It's brown everywhere. It really is. You know, you look for something better. It's brown everywhere. So if you get over, you say, oh, man, this is wonderful. And the honeymoon's over. It's because it's hard work. And this is what God has called us to do. You could move on from job to job. You can move on from relationship to relationship, from church to church. And you will always find that once you get to the halfway point is the hard point. Uh, when halfway is so hard, but why? Why is halfway so hard? Because you can see progress, and you can see where you came from, but you're frustrated because you're not where you want to be. You're frustrated because it doesn't look, smell, it, it, nothing is the way it should be, and you're like, man, you start to see the rubbish. You start to see the rubble, and you're like, man, I got to start shoveling the rubble again. Oh, my... Wait a minute, Nehemiah, was this here when we started? See, see you had to move the rubble. You can't just keep putting, building the wall on the rubble. You have to get rid of the rubble, make a solid foundation, and then we move forward. Um, <clears throat> the believer who has yards after contact is going to make it. And I want to call you to be a believer this morning that has yards after contact to be the believer who really believes that God rose from the dead. Listen, I stand here every week because Jesus rose from the dead. If he didn't, I have no reason to be here, and neither do you. So that's why I call on you to, to be in people of prayer, because that same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. And he has given you power to do what he wants you to do. Nehemiah 4.11, meanwhile, our enemies were saying before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Hmm, That's pretty good. How'd you like to be leading the team and that's the type of threats that you're getting? Uh, The Jews who live nearby, verse 12, the Jews who live near the enemy came and told us again and again. uh, It's literally 10 times. In other words, what it's meaning is repetitiously. They came over and over. They just kept coming. They came 10 times and they told us that they will come from all directions and attack us. So, so here's, here is Nehemiah. He's trying to build the wall and the people are coming. The people who, are, who live in the area, these Jews are coming and they say, listen, did you know what Sambalat said? Do you know what Tobias said? Did you hear what the Ammonites said? Did you hear what the, uh, what the Arabs said? Have you heard what they said? What are we going to do about it? And it's going to get ugly. It's going to get pretty fierce around here. And Nehemiah, we just don't think you're fit to lead this team. Let's stop building. Imagine that. Imagine how Nehemiah went. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying that, uh, that, that they're going to come and they're going to take us down. He dealt with conflict head on. Listen, this is what he did. He dealt with conflict head on. And this is how that you and I need to live our lives. We deal with conflict head on. If you have conflict and you don't deal with it, it will not go away. Say, well, I, I just don't like conflict. Nobody does. There's 3% of the population that likes to confront people, right? Nobody likes to be confrontational, you know? But men and women of faith are able to stand up and talk, able to confront, and able to make it to the goal. Why? Because it's yards after contact that matter. When we have yards after contact, I am not going to let something good in my life go away because there's conflict. And then what happens is you walk away, that conflict is there, and you know what happens? We stop building. Whether it's a relationship or the church, wherever phase of life that you're in, whatever that you're working on right now, what has God called you to do? If there's conflict, we don't run from it. We deal with it. And so how did Nehemiah deal with it? First of all, he prayed. He prayed. Nehemiah prayed, and then he took the guards. He said, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to take action. Uh, How does this work in your life if you're seeking to rebuild a vocation, right? How do you do that? First, you pray. Now, many times we underestimate that because that's the Christianese thing to say, right? Oh, I pray. And many times you may tell somebody that you're praying and you're not. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the reality of it, isn't it? Oh, I'm praying about that. You know what God says about lying? (laughs) Ooh, we talked about that last week. (laughs) Satan's the father of lies, right? We got to come to God and we have to pray. And we have to take it to the almighty God of the universe. So Nehemiah, first he prays, and then he said, we're going to guard. The natural reaction that we have is we go to guard. If I were Nehemiah, I would, before I could even think to pray, I would think about guarding that city. I would go right to there. But he says that we prayed and we guarded. If you look through the book of Nehemiah, you'll see we prayed. The gracious hand of God was good to us. Four months before he ever comes to rebuild the wall. His heart is broken. He's praying and fasting. He prayed and the gracious hand of God is good to us. So as we continue here today, I want you to look at what he does because that happens in a vocation. That happens in a marriage. What do you do in a marriage when there's problems? You pray first. You pray first. And then you ask forgiveness. You come and say, well, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, you know, those are the hardest words to say. You remember the fawns? Anybody old enough in here to remember the fawns? Right, maybe half of you remember the happy days with the fawns? I, I pulled up a clip on him. I was going to show it, but I didn't. Anyhow, it was really good. It's like you just Google words that the fawns would not say. Like he could not say, I'm sssssss. That's how he would say it. I'm, he's trying to say, I'm sorry. He goes, I'm s-s-s-s-s-a. I, I was raw, 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 wrong. You know, he couldn't say I'm sorry. He couldn't say I'm wrong. And you know, when we are dealing with relationships of any sort, do you realize one of the greatest healing words are "I am sorry," "I was wrong." Ooh, do you know why I can say I'm sorry? Do you know why I can say I'm wrong? Because I'm not trying to win. I'm not trying to be right. I'm trying to win that relationship. And so, you know what? As you come and you, you're dealing with that in your life, first you pray. You got to try to do that on your own power. You'll be like the Fonz. You go in the power of God and you pray first. You look at that relationship and then you take action. And the next step is action. What do you do? You start to act like you did when you were first married. You don't pull out your iPhone when you go to dinner. <laughs> you know? And you start, to be, you, you start to stare at each other. and Well, whatever. You've got to figure that out, all right? So that's what we do. That's what we do. Nehemiah 4.13, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed area. I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed them with swords, spears, and bows. Then, verse 14, then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes find it interesting here. He says, fight for, not fight with. Fight for your family, for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wife, for your home. Fight for them. And look how he says to do it. First of all, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the enemy, folks. Um, I just want to encourage you. This was the admonition that he gave here. Do not be afraid of the enemy. If you're filling in the blanks, fill it in. Do not be afraid of the enemy, you have opposition. You are building. And man, the opposition comes from outside and it comes from inside. There's pressures on the outside. There's pressures on the inside. Nehemiah, he was facing the opposition from the outside. He had all the rumors of mocking. He had all the threats of war. And at the end of the day, you got to understand, they couldn't do it on their own. They came to a, a humbling spot where they realized that, that I can't do this on my own. And, and what they're doing here, Nehemiah says, listen, don't be afraid. You know, fear can debilitate a person. You and I can become debilitated by fear. Um, I went up watched a swim meet this week up at one of our high schools. Eric and I went up, student pastor, and, uh, and we had a good time. There were three or four of our students from... From, uh, to come to church here that were swimming. So I said, let's go up and check this out. And we went up, and uh, and we watched it. And through the course of the discussion, uh, me and Eric were talking. I said, man, that's incredible. I love what they're doing. I can't even swim. And he looks at me and goes, what? As if to say, old man, you can't swim? <laughs> he was very respectful. He wouldn't say it like that. But you should have saw the look on his face like, <laughs> you know? like somebody stole donuts. I mean, it was like unbelievable, okay? And so it was like, I can't swim. You, 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 now, let me tell you why I can't swim. Because whenever I was uh, about 10 or 12 years old, I was taking swim lessons, and I did really, really well. Except it was the last day, and they said, hey, we want you to go to the deep end. And you're doing so well up to your shoulders. We think that you will do really well in the deep end. And so they took me to the deep end. And I failed. And I failed miserably. And I have failed in the deep end ever since. Why? There's some sort of fear that I have to overcome, right? And so what can happen in your life is that fear. You will be, uh, you will be gripped by fear. Somebody says something negative about you. Listen, don't be like me. Enjoy swimming. I, I enjoy the beach up to here. I enjoy every pool up to here. I scare my family every time I go to the beach because I'm daring. And I'll even hang on to a float where I can't touch anymore. And then they're like, hey, we can't see you. I'm like, but I can see something. I probably can't see them anymore, right? And it's just like, you, you, you know, you figure it out. But I can't swim. I probably can. I just need to overcome the fear. He says, don't be afraid of the enemy. You see, when you're afraid of the enemy, you're gripped and you stop building. You will stop building your life if you're afraid. If you're afraid of the enemy, you're afraid of your failures, you're afraid of your own past. He says, so, so I looked and I told them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. The second thing here is compare your problems to the awesome power of God. Compare your problems to the awesome power of God. Here's what was happening. The, the people of God had come and they were comparing their strength to the strength of the enemy. Don't do that. Because the enemy may have more strength than you do. At, at this point, it was true. If the Ambedites, the Arabs, uh, all these people, if they would have all come in, they would have taken them over. But there was something powerful that happened. He says, come and remember your glorious God. Compare your problem. Compare your strength. Compare the strength of the enemy to the strength of your glorious God. How big is your problem now? Ooh, it changes everything, doesn't it? Ah, man, I can't make it through. I don't have enough money. I can't, I don't know how to love. I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to do all these things. I'm building. It's hard. I've made progress. I'm halfway. I just want to quit. I want to throw in the towel because this is so hard. Compare your strength of the enemy's strength compare to God's strength. Wow, he's so much victorious. And it is the same God he is the one. I, I love this statement. Fear is no match for the Spirit of God who lives in us. Fear is no match for the Spirit of God who lives in us. That will change your life. Continue to move forward. He says to fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. Continue to move forward. Look here in verse 15. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to the work on the wall. We all returned to the work. In other words, they did not stop working. They continued. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, who won this? What did God do? God frustrated the enemy. Nehemiah didn't frustrate the enemy. Sam Ballet and Tobiah, they were frustrated, not because the people were so wonderful, but because God saw their plans and God got in there and he frustrated the enemy. And they all returned. They did not keep. They did not stop. They did not leave building for battle. Uh, Nehemiah never stopped building for battle. He never left the focus of building for the fight of the battle. And I want to encourage you to keep going forward. Keep making yards after contact. Why? Because it's so worth it. There is nothing more that I would rather build my life on than the rock of Jesus Christ, than to come here with you week in and week out and to grow together. There's nothing greater. And you know what? You may be tempted that there's greater out there. You may see things that that look temporarily greater. You may be upset with the rubbish. You may be upset with things in your life and your family and your community. Whatever this is that God has called you to do. And in the meantime, God says, keep building keep building. Look look what he did here. This is really interesting. Uh, But from verse 16, from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. How'd you like to work like that? We have a lot of people in our church that are physical labors, and they go out and they work hard. Could you imagine working over here? And over here's your spear. Over here's here your weapon. Oh, okay, we're all going to put this big boulder up, but we all got our weapon just in case somebody comes and gets us. You see, they did not stop. They prayed, they worked. They prayed, and they worked. Uh, all the builders had a sword, verse 18, they had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm so he keeps the trumpeter with him and what he was going to do is he he's going to rally the troops in nehemiah 419 then i explained to the nobles and officials and all the people that the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall when you hear the blast of the trumpet rush to, to wherever it is sounding then our god will fight for us isn't that cool Look at the picture here. You can't build alone. He says, we got to be together. And when the enemy comes, I'm going to blow the trumpet and you're going to come together and we're going to rally. Then our God will fight for us. The New Testament says it like this, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Jesus said that. Pretty powerful, isn't it? You can't fight the battle alone. If you're fighting the battle alone, stop Get with a team. Get, you can't do this alone. God says you've got to get in there and continue. But don't do this alone. Get a team. Get people surrounding you. Get a prayer team around you. Get people that love you, that care for you, and can build you and will build your life. And listen, this is what the church is. We are on the same page. What's cool is there's about 500 people that come to this church and we're going this direction, folks. We are building for God. We are moving where God's taking us. We are bringing your friends, your families to Jesus Christ and he is going to do a great work in your life. So as you're struggling and you're you're building your lives and you're building the church, you're building ministries and you're, you're just, listen, it's hard. I want to quit about every other month everybody does keep in the game keep building and don't go out to battle keep building keep the guard keep building half will guard half will build keep building keep moving forward keep moving forward what's interesting here too is that paul talked about another trumpet paul said that there would be a trumpet that would sound he said, at the, at the, at, it's what we know as the rapture. He said, the next trumpet that's going to sound is going to be the one that all believers will hear. And he says, on that trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be gathered together in the air to meet them. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you hear God's rally cry? Do you hear the trumpet? Do you see the trumpet? Interesting that we see a trumpet way back in Nehemiah and we see a trumpet all the way over here. Wow, God says we're going to rally. And I'm excited for that day. One day, God's going to call us up. You're going to, you're going you're to, we're going to be in heaven together, folks. It's going to be awesome. Learn to get along together now because we've got a long time in eternity together, right? And, and it's so powerful. And look what Nehemiah says, 421. He says, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. Half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, even took off our clothes. We never, ever took off our clothes. We kept working. We were prepared. We were guarding. We were working. We prayed. We work. We guard. We pray. We work, we guard. Take out prayer, you have nothing. Take out prayer and no work, that's not God's plan. Take out work and only guard. That's not what God called us to do. He wants you to pray, he wants you to work, and he wants you to guard. I want to invite you to Jesus. Never leave the building for battle. Never leave the building for battle. Uh, Rally together. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have a men's Bible study on Wednesday night. A women's Bible study on Wednesday night. These are places so that you can come and you can have a team that's going to help build your life. It's not for content. Oh, we give great content. Everything we have has great content. We're going to have donuts out there in a little bit. It's not for donuts, guys. We want you to try and bump into somebody out there. And please eat the rest of the donuts, all right? But uh, we want you to try and bump into somebody. Why? Because we need each other. We're not, you know, you've heard that statement, we're better together. The biblical model is we're nothing without each other. And I want to encourage you to go there. Let's not become islands. There's no island of me, it's the island of we. And so we, as we work together, we move forward, we rally together. That trumpet, man, as the leader of the church, sometimes I have to rally us together. We're going here, we're going there, let's go. Man, as we rally together, our community sees God and our God will fight for us. That is the most powerful line. Our God will fight for us. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I just want to invite you to Jesus. If you're here and you've not opened your heart to Jesus yet, you haven't started a relationship with the God of the universe, I want to invite you to do that today. Jesus loves you very much. He knows what you're going through. He cares for you. And he has a plan for you. He wants wants you to invite him into your life. He wants to give you eternal life. So I invite you to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you, just with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you'll pray something like this to God. Just pray, dear God, I need you to help me build my life. Dear God, I come before you and I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. But I believe you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my heart right here today. And for others in this place, maybe you've been a believer for some time. But maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're frustrated. Frustrated with the church. Frustrated with your relationships. Frustrated with what God has called you to do in this community. What is it that God has broken your heart and now you're frustrated over? Today, I'm just going to, we're going to close this service very quietly We're just going to take the next minute, and I want everyone in this room to just lay at the foot of Jesus, just to tell him, God, here is my area, and begin to do what Nehemiah did. Let's start with prayer. Let's start there. Lay it at his feet. heard the cry of your people this morning. Many are frustrated. Many are fatigued. Many have faced failure. But we are so thankful, Lord, that you're greater than all of that. You've given us the ability to rest. Lord, I pray for those that need rest this morning, that you would give them rest. You said, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you Lord, be with each of us as we go back to what you've called us to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day of the week. Lord, you've called us to be builders of our homes, to fight for our homes. You've called us to be builders of our our vocation, builders of our community, bringing you to this town. I pray you put your hand upon your people as we dismiss. In your name we pray. Amen all stand together today and be dismissed. Please stop by and have a donut off the donut wall out there. And uh, that doesn't count towards your health goals. All right. God bless.